0: Hi everyone, I'm Jennifer Duck, and today we're getting Grounded On Purpose with Dr. Darren Linville.
1: What I generally tell people is to just try to treat the digital world more like you treat the real world. Here in the South, we you know we give a little wave. <laughs> uh, but that doesn't mean that you're going to invite them immediately into their home. But for some reason, we do that in the digital world every single day, and we don't appreciate the dangers it, like we do in the real world.
0: As many of you know, I recently wrote a guest column that was published online and in several newspapers, including The Tennessean. The column was on misinformation, disinformation, and propaganda online. This is an incredibly complex problem we're facing, and part of my purpose is to figure out how to fix it. As I said in the article, there's not a one-size-fits-all solution, and it's going to take all of us together to fight this new war of weaponized words and images online. Just a little background on my experience. I was in Russia and Ukraine reporting as the White House producer for ABC News in 2008 when Russia invaded the country of Georgia. At that time, the president of Ukraine was visibly scarred after being poisoned, allegedly, by Russian agents. He fortunately lived and led Ukraine during that war. Russia reenacted its Georgia playbook in Ukraine just last week, but what we are witnessing now is unprecedented for many reasons, one being the images, videos, and words we are seeing on social media. Many of these social media posts are manipulated to stoke fear and chaos in an attempt to overthrow democracies. We have never seen propaganda spread so quickly with such force as we are seeing now. Information warfare is a huge tactic in this new battlefront, and we all have to be aware of what we're seeing on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, Snapchat, and Facebook. The disinformation is spreading like wildfire because our digital literacy skills are lacking. Also, the propagandists are highly skilled, and the information and manipulated videos they're sending look very real. They often make the best researchers look twice. Joining me is one of the top researchers in this field, who has helped me personally navigate these complex issues the past several years in my PhD work. Dr. Darren Linville is a professor at Clemson University and is also an author, researcher, and expert on social media disinformation and political discourse. Darren has written and been quoted everywhere from the Washington Post and Wall Street Journal to the Rolling Stone, and he has authored a number of very important peer-reviewed research articles. Darren can also spot a troll from a mile away, which I'll explain in just a minute, but first, Darren, welcome to Grounded On Purpose.
1: Thanks for having me, Jen. It's great to be here.
0: We really appreciate it. I know it's an incredibly, incredibly busy time, um, and I really want to dig into the disinformation dilemmas in depth in just a minute, but let's start with some questions just about you first. You literally hunt trolls for a living, and I was thinking, you know, in my, my production brain, like, Darren could be like, you know, Dog the bounty hunter, but he's Darren the troll hunter. Um, <laughs> so how in the world did you even get into this?
1: I do do a lot of troll hunting um, as part of my work and uh, sadly on weekends as well. (laughs) Um, But we started this work uh, along with a colleague of mine, Patrick Warren, who's in the Department of Econ here at Clemson. Back in 2017, when the work of the Russian Internet Research Agency in St. Petersburg uh, and what they did to attempt to impact the 2016 presidential elections was first coming to light. Um, and I'd studied social media for, you know, a better part of a, a decade before that. Um, as an academic and I and I'd learned how to you know, understand social media data. All all data has its own idiosyncrasies in trying to learn how to interpret it. Um, what types of analysis work in what situations. Uh, And at Clemson, at that time, we had access to a specialized tool. Um, Twitter had made public through the uh, House Intelligence Committee a couple of thousand Twitter handles that they attributed to the Russian Internet Research Agency um, that were active online in, in 2016 and 17, and early 2018. And, we were able to use a tool we had at clemson to download those accounts those were accounts that twitter hadn't made public they'd just given the house intelligence committee the names of the handles um they certainly didn't want that data public at the time um or they easily could have given it to the american public uh, but we were able to use a tool in a way it wasn't really intended to be used <laughs> to to get a back door on twitter and download three million tweets from the Internet Research Agency. Um, I then spent months processing those tweets, reading them until <laughs> late into the night. You know, I I say I you know I read Russian troll tweets until my eyes bled. Um, and Patrick and I did work to put those tweets into categories and try to really understand what it was that the Russian Internet Research Agency was doing and ha- exactly how they were going about dividing America along partisan lines and pushing us farther apart from one another than than we already were um, we then made that data public through Nate Silver's 538 website to other researchers and 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 journalists and from there it it just took over my life we took what we learned from studying what the Russians were doing in that context to try to better understand what they were doing in other contexts, what they were doing in an ongoing basis, um, but also what other nation states and non-nation states, you know, other groups were doing to try to affect real conversation on social media.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I know it took over your life and I kind of want to stick on the personal for a minute and, and dive in more. Um, but I know just from our experience writing peer-reviewed journal articles, um, your wife also helps you with some of this, right, with some of the editing. I've seen her magical editing work because she helped us be so much better in one of our papers. Um, but, you know, how – I mean, it's become kind of a family affair too, right, a little bit?
1: Oh, yeah, sure. My uh, my brother before me, uh, he's the family favorite, uh, was actually in military intelligence. So ah. – uh, after, uh, after I got my clearance uh, I, I tried to get him to tell me everything he'd been hiding from me for years uh, but he, he wasn't forthcoming um, but you know I, I follow in, in in family footsteps in, in that in that regard at least um, and, if, and my, my wife uh, is is sometimes tired of hearing about trolls but um, she's just an absolute huge help she's a much better writer than Patrick or I um, and you know even even my daughter used to sit on my lap a couple of years when she was just a little bit smaller um and and helped me hunt trolls right before bedtime
0: sweet bedtime stories Darren just very sweet yeah
1: sweet <laughs> daddy can i can i hunt trolls with you
0: uh, no i mean it's amazing though because i think a lot of times you know we see the research but we don't know the person behind the research to so to really see you today and to to hear this is important um and it's definitely i mean again it's a part of your purpose um i imagine though there were probably some hurdles as you were doing this. Um, what were some of those big hurdles at first? Because you're really, you were on the forefront of all of this, um, doing this with Clemson's research in 2017. Uh, what were some of those hurdles?
1: Oh, I mean, it's uh, anytime you're at the forefront of new research, there's gonna, there's gonna be hurdles and, and that's undoubtedly uh, the case here. Uh, without question, the biggest hurdle is, has, has always been working with the platforms um, reliability of, of the data, trying to understand that, getting them to listen to you and trust you. The uh, Historically, the, the, the platforms have had a high opinion of the lenses that they use to try to understand these problems. Um, and they're not always, they haven't always been quick to trust anyone outside of, you know, their inner circle. Because um, it's true, they do have data points that we don't have. You know, they have... The technical signals that, that we're not privy to.
0: And the, the platforms, meaning Facebook, Twitter, all the social media platforms, right?
1: Right. Mm-hmm. The platforms meaning Facebook, Twitter, all the uh, at Facebook, which also owns Instagram, uh, oh. Google, which owns YouTube. Um, we we work uh, relatively closely, or certainly more closely than we did now with, with Facebook uh, and Twitter. I had an email exchange with uh, director of uh, research security at, at Facebook just today. Um, and uh, it is getting better. Uh, I think that you know, I, they've taken so much flack over the past several years um, that maybe they feel they need to work with academics more. Um, maybe they've had a, you know, a change of the guard I I I know they have more and different people working on the inside than they did in the past on these problems. Um, and some of those people seem more willing to work with outsiders. Um, so it's definitely the case that things have gotten better with the platforms, but you know, sometimes I still feel like I'm, I'm beating my head against the wall. And then even when, uh, things are going well with the platforms, I sometimes have trouble with my Mm -hmm. own institutions. Uh, Clemson is is a bureaucracy like <laughs> like any other um, and that comes with with hurdles of its own right now Facebook is offering us a a, a a data sharing agreement that we can't get my own institution to agree to because of European data sharing laws um, and also for a long time Clemson just didn't know what to do with us um, regarding this research they didn't you know, we were we were in the news quite a bit, but um, especially you know back in 2018 when we were were first making some of what it was the Russians were doing public and, and shining a spotlight on it. Um, and I think it it, it took uh, Clemson a little while to to realize that you know we were all on the same side, um, and that you know Patrick and I weren't in this with a political axe to grind. Um, because, I mean, these issues were, were fraught with politics, obviously, back in 2018. And they still are today. Um, but, you know, we, Patrick and I, are in this to in, make conversations genuine and to decrease partisanship beyond what it would have been otherwise. I I remember a conversation I had a couple of years ago with uh, uh, a, a colonel in US Army Cyber Command. And he said, uh, I'm going to paraphrase, because he said it with uh, some foul language involved uh, and in a Louisiana accent. Uh, but he said, we don't need the Russians screwing up our elections. We can do it ourselves. <laughs> and, and I think that's where I come down on the, on the matter. Uh, you know, in, we're, do, we're doing a good enough job uh, destroying ourselves without the help of the Russians or the Chinese or the Iranians uh, or, or you know, instigators within our own country, uh, we, we don't need anybody else's help.
0: Yeah. And then you bring in, but then you do bring in all those other factors, our foreign adversaries, and man, does it get murky, right? Oh, um, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's all, it's all very political. Uh, so in terms of terminology, so a lot of times we hear misinformation. We hear disinformation we hear propaganda um, I kind of want to break that down this is so important and this is something like we, we actually did this in your class so just breaking down so what is misinformation
1: sure misinformation uh, is just information that is being spread and it's inaccurate um, so anyone can spread misinformation uh, without even knowing that they're doing it if, if, I, if I share a story that's wrong i'm sharing misinformation Uh, that's juxtaposed to disinformation which is disinformation is about the mindset of the sharer it's when they're doing it on purpose Uh, when they are trying to uh, you know purposefully deceive their audience that's disinformation Uh, and and a sort of subset of disinformation is Correct information that might be spread in a deceitful way. So, yeah. most of what the Russians did in all the way from, you know, 2015, when they started communicating in English on social media, through 2020, when I last saw uh, an account that I would confidently attribute to the Internet Research Agency in St. Petersburg. Um, was spreading truthful information spreading links to cnn and fox news and uh you know genuine genuine reporting but they were doing it with spin and Mm -hmm. they were doing it with accounts that weren't what they were purporting to be Um, they were telling you in the con in the message of their social media post how to think about a a, a given link, a story behind a given link, uh, how to think about that story so that you didn't even have to read it. Uh, you, you were taking their word for it and believing their interpretation of the information. Um, and it, it was always an interpretation that <laughs> had a slant to it and pushed you to perhaps believe something a little more extreme than you would have believed otherwise. They were They were pulling their audience along. They weren't pushing them to believe something they weren't already inclined to believe. Um, so that's disinformation. It's disinformation that's purposefully deceitful or spread in a deceitful way, as, a, as opposed to misinformation, which is information that's just inaccurate. Um, both of these are problems, obviously. In the Venn diagram of these things, there's there's always a lot of overlap. Um, yeah. Something that starts as disinformation can can quickly turn into misinformation when regular people start spreading it. And all of this is a little bit different from propaganda. Uh, propaganda is, you know, just states cheerleading about themselves. Uh, you know, the United States engages in propaganda all the time. Anytime you know you have an F-16 fly over a, a, a football field at, at kickoff, that's that's still propaganda. Um, and not all propaganda is bad. I I like you know doing a little rah-rah cheerleading around the American flag. Uh, but there's a there's a lot of propaganda that that underscores much disinformation. Um, the Chinese, in particular, spread uh, a lot of propaganda in their inauthentic social media accounts.
0: Yeah, and we saw that with the Olympics. I mean, that was the very surface level. I know it went much deeper than that. But just you know, I mean, I, and that's another thing I covered in in two thousand eight. I was in Beijing when China hosted those Olympics as well. Um, We would go on a live shot on the top of the roof, and it was nothing but smog behind us. You couldn't see the buildings. You couldn't see anything. They had tried to clear off the streets. People could only drive certain days of the week. Um, But, you know, you would see in our U.S. cameras that you could not – and this is a very basic example. uh, You could not see because of the pollution there, and it it was really bad. Um, But then the images coming out even at that time, and that's before social media was going wild. I mean, that's 2008 – and, and I guess that gets to the point, though, now where if we're watching this conflict right now in in Russia and Ukraine, I mean, this is the first time we're really witnessing, uh, I guess, all of the U.S. Maybe I should rephrase it because it's been happening in other nations all over. But in the U.S., we're really paying attention to Russia and Ukraine. And we might be unknowingly at times spreading misinformation and disinformation. So this is really what, what you're what we're doing, but what you do all the time um, is finding those social media accounts and, you know, showing that they're a bot or a troll. So what what are, you know, bots, trolls? You've mentioned the IRA. What is this whole operation Russia has where they spread this disinformation?
1: Um, so Russia has an apparatus apparatus not, uh, very similar to China in a lot of ways. In fact, China's uh, even larger dollar for dollar on a dollar for dollar basis but it starts with state media Um, so in Russia that's things like tasks speaking to Russians or RT and Sputnik which uh, speak to Americans and uh, speak to Latin America Um, and those are mostly about propaganda sometimes they might slip in uh, a a false story or two um, or something that implies something that might not be true, but state media tends to stay relatively above board. I mean, obviously very partisan, obviously only telling the version of events uh, that Russia wants you to hear. Um, but, you know, at, at a base level, there's still a certain amount of fundamental truth to what you see out of any state media. Um, propaganda, not overt disinformation. But under the surface of that, they also run uh, ha- all kinds of different social media accounts. You know, those, those state media accounts have, uh, have social media accounts. All the journalists that work for state media have uh, accounts. The embassies have accounts, the consulates have accounts. Uh, and all of these are working to engage with the public in a variety of ways. Um, but then you also have accounts that are run by groups like the Internet Research Agency, um, which don't tell you what they are. Most The, the major platforms, Facebook and, and Twitter, require that any social media account that is officially connected to a state entity, uh, has to, it has to be labeled as such. But you know trolls—they don't—they don't do this, uh, and so they're more capable of spreading information that you know may or may not be true. Uh, the The Internet Research Agency obviously is the most famous organization like this. Uh, China has a variety of ways to to that they run their trolls, but uh, the Internet Research Agency is the most famous group in in Russia that does it. Uh, they are. Effectively, a big marketing company uh, that mm-hmm. is, that is owned by an individual named Yevgeny Prigozhin. Yevgeny uh, Prigozhin is known as Putin's chef. Uh, he got that name because he he started out his career uh, as Putin's caterer, and now he runs mercenaries for the state, both both real-world mercenaries through the Wagner Group and and online mercenaries through through the Internet Research Agency. Um, and, uh, the accounts that they run purport to be all types of individuals, uh, on, on the right in the past, they have purported to be Trump supporters, uh, when engaging in, in conversations in the United States And, and on the left, they've, uh, purported to be all kinds of individuals from LGBTQ identifying accounts to especially, uh, black women who, in 2016, and then again in 2020, worked to try to raise the popularity of Bernie Sanders in in those communities. And these accounts are obviously run out of St. Petersburg, um, but because they aren't authentic, they and and they on the surface look like you or I, uh, or some or or our neighbor. They're able to engage in conversations in a very authentic way and and in a very believable way.
0: Yeah. And and we've looked so you have this really cool quiz and I show it in my classes and anyone can take this online but you and Patrick created the Spot the Troll quiz and there's, you know, the the profile pictures some of them look like, you know, me at 20, right? A college yeah. student young female, um, some, you, and you point this out too, some are um, black women, young women, um, some are conservative, and, you know, they're trying to uh, heighten these ideologies. Um, and they're not real people, but they look like a real person. Some of them are generated uh, with artificial intelligence, and you'll see like a piece of the glasses missing maybe part of the frame or an earring is gone but to really look that closely no one really no one profile pictures yeah Yeah. they say they're from like Ankeny Iowa which is a real place right and and it gets really really confusing because this looks like someone you would just follow this looks like someone you could look next door to Um, and that's a Russian account so I guess you know with all of this in mind obviously we know why Russia spreads disinformation they want they don't want democracies to thrive the u.s is a democracy ukraine you know like they they do not they want to disrupt that um and they want to disrupt our political system but why might someone else spread misinformation or disinformation what's in it for them what are these motives
1: um well at the state level uh by that the nation state level uh both russia iran and china i think they all have the same basic motive and that is, they don't want their people to believe that things are better on the other side of the fence. You know, if Putin's people start to believe that maybe things aren't so great in Russia, then one day he could end up at the end of a noose. That's, you know, that's a very real threat for any autocrat. And they live with that threat every day. So it's it's important to... Make sure that your people believe that things are not better on the other side of the fence. And there's two ways you can do that. You can make your country look better, or you can make the other country look worse. And Putin, and China and Iran as well, do both. Uh, Putin, I'm not sure that he's ever really cared that much about american politics for its own sake he's very much cared about making us look like we don't have our crap together like like democracy is failing um like january 6th is the new standard because if democracy is going great what's that mean if you live in moscow um maybe that's a better system and you want to be a part of that and that's the last thing in the world any autocrat wants uh that's that's you know that's the last thing in the world any insular country inward looking country like china uh wants so uh they work to make the other side look bad but they also simultaneously work to make their own country look good and they do that with trolls as well um patrick and i have been doing some recent research looking at publicly released data sets uh, that, that Twitter has made public of known information operations that have occurred on their platform. And of all of these accounts, all of these yeah. literally tens and tens of thousands of accounts that they've released, the most common place that they say they're from is where they're actually from. So the the most mm-hmm. common place for a Russian account to say it's from is Russia. The most common place uh, for a Saudi Arabian account to say that it's from is, is Saudi Arabia because they're talking to their own people. Uh there's more Russian language tweets in these data sets than than there are English language tweets because they they're communicating to their own people and you know oligarch the, the biggest victims of disinformation are the folks that live under these totalitarian regimes. And it's it's a, it's frustrating for me on a number of levels um one that we're not talking about that very point nearly as as much as I believe we should be um but two it's frustrating that you know these are these are American-made platforms uh the, this is the the best and brightest <laughs> that that America has to offer goes and works in California for these companies and we are facilitating this uh, at a very basic level now obviously um these countries have their own platforms as well Russia has VK China has their own version of every major social media platform. Um, they gave the world TikTok. tock. Uh, yeah. TikTok. Yeah. And, and and, you know, they have their own Facebook and Twitter as well. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that they're they're more capable of of controlling conversations in their own country than anybody else. Um, but, you know, the the US made platforms are are certainly facilitating it simply in their existence uh and and need to do more they are doing more than they used to but they need to do even more than they have in the, than they are currently yeah. doing to, to address this
0: and it's the wild wild west I mean this is all new to us this is like yeah. I said this is the first time we're really watching this roll out on this large scale um and all kind of it's unprecedented I mean because of social media um and just to the point of how hard it is for Russians to speak uh online. We've seen some, you know, anti-war protests and it's hard. I think a lot of people think, oh, all Russians must think like Putin. And that's absolutely not true. We are seeing anti-war protests. We are seeing people come. We actually saw um, the daughter of President Putin's spokesman post an anti-war message on Instagram, but it was immediately deleted, but it got out there so we could, you know, talk about it. So this social media is really a double-edged sword because we can see, you know, the Kremlin's uh, spokesperson's daughter, come out and, and say how wrong this is of Russia to be doing this uh, for a brief moment. Um, but at the same time, that is taken down. Um, right. This is not a democracy. There is not, uh, you know, this, this, the Russian message is going to be pushed out again, like you said, to all its people. So, you know, that's a huge part. I think of pe- people probably don't understand about social media is when you're watching this um, you are, you can get very easily stuck in those echo chambers, you can get stuck by an algorithm driving you, you know, TikTok is a Chinese company, they can drive you wherever they're going to want to drive you. So can you just explain kind of the algorithms and how those work, and how that is leading to, you know, that's, that's the whole architecture of social media, that's leading to the disinformation, because it's that dopamine hit that, um, you know, the algorithm leading us into rabbit holes that are not so good sometimes.
1: Yeah, and it, and it leads us to say the more extreme thing, too, the thing mm-hmm. that we know is going to get a reaction because people love that retweet, they love that, they love that like button, and they love to be the recipient of those to, but because humans like attention and social media. Like you said, it's a, it's a dopamine machine, and we keep hitting that tab to get more dopamine. And so we're simply more likely to say the thing that's going to get that attention, and that's not always the thing that's the most reasonable thing to say in in the least Um, and and another point though is how these algorithms move information faster than information's ever moved before Uh, we and so at times like an invasion of a country or a global pandemic uh, when we don't know the truth because it's not knowable yet because because you know the experts haven't assessed it or uh, the journalists are not yet on the scene uh, or any other number of reasons then you know the the information that's being pushed by people that don't know what the hell they're saying or alternately people with a particular agenda uh, or most often on social media, an item to sell. I, th- I think if we got rid of t-shirt sales and vitamin sales, half of the misinformation on social media would be would, would be gone overnight, frankly. <laughs> but uh, that's the information that takes hold because people need an answer. When, when you're in these information echo chambers, you're looking for any answer. And then once you have an answer, it bounces around to all your friends. And people take that answer as truthful because even if the source you got it from wasn't legitimate, you're legitimate to your friends um, and th- it becomes truth. And And that's how we get from, you know, trying to have a reasonable response to a global pandemic to, you know, silver fluoride kills coronavirus. Um, or that's how we get, you know, russia needs to be invading the ukraine because ukrainian artillery was was firing on their own people um because this because you know these these bad actors these actors or actors with an agenda of some kind are more able to to push information that they want pushed when the actual truth isn't even something that's knowable
0: And the agenda i think it's really important to point out what you said about the agenda so if you can look at your sources and what you're reading what is their agenda is it is it profit which always follow the money i mean that's the famous saying right follow the money um is it uh you know for their own political agenda is it um i mean these are these are huge kind of factors when we're seeing something but we're so quick because we are our brains are rewired because of social media, because of the internet to just instantly react. We don't pause, you know, that's my big thing is pause before you post. Um, Because it's, we just react, we like, we forward, we retweet, we uh, repost, whatever we do. Um, We click our selfie cam on and we take a video and we go on TikTok. But that's part of the problem, even if you're not even paying attention to Russia or Ukraine right now, which I think a lot of people are and a lot of people aren't, they might be hitting the retweet or they might be hitting buttons to forward this and it's like a game of telephone where every the whole message gets jumbled right it just mm-hmm. it, you don't know the source anymore you don't know where it came from but you saw it from your high school coach who's super reliable because they got you through sports your whole life or something you know like that's exactly. what's so hard about it. it it's it's just mind-boggling because um, it is they, the World Health Organization called this the infodemic. And I think that's truly what we're living in as someone who's you know, been in communications, both of us for so long. It is truly an infodemic and it's hard to sort through all this noise. Um, so what are some tips like you tell people to sort through the noise or to look for nefarious bad actors?
1: Uh, you know, the main thing that we've learned honestly uh, from analysis of the troll quiz is that people are really bad at spotting a troll. Um, that's that's partly because the amount of information you typically have is so limited, um, but it's also the case that some of these bad actors are really good at fooling you. I mean, they do this professionally. They they didn't they didn't start yesterday, uh, and they're very talented. And they I mean, they've got an entire marketing company backing them up. Um, and so what I generally tell people is to just Try to treat the digital world more like you treat the real world. You know, when you go out into the real world, you know that most strangers mean you no harm and that they're not going to hurt you. And, and maybe you can say hi to them as you walk by. Here in the South, we, you know, we give a little wave. Uh, but that doesn't mean that you're going to invite them immediately into their home because into your home because they're wearing a t-shirt that you like uh it doesn't mean that you're going to hand your phone to them and all and the contact information for all your friends because you know they said something political that you agreed with that would be insane in the real world and anybody that did that would would be laughed at uh and rightfully so but for some reason we do that in the digital world every single day and we don't appreciate the dangers it like we do in the real world uh you know maybe it's more palpable in the real world to think that oh if I invite this person into my home and they are actually dangerous they might kill me um but you know you do that in the digital world and they can still take all your money in a lot of different ways and it's it's still dangerous maybe not to you physically but it can be very dangerous
0: Uh, And so I just, I just wish,
1: yeah, exactly, exactly. I just wish people treated the digital world more like they do the real world.
0: Mm -hmm. That's a good note. Um, A really, really good note. It's kind of like your mom said, or dad, whoever, you know, don't take candy from strangers. Um, Don't don't get in the car with strangers. It kind of goes back to the basics on a lot of these things, but it is, I mean, I, I think, and I always kind of say the digital literacy is, that's what's, you know, it's so hard because, we haven't had this forever. I mean, I certainly didn't grow up. I mean, I grew up and I was playing like Oregon Trail and things like that. But um, <laughs> Mario types, I remember was a big one. But um, you know, we had internet. Obviously, I also grew up in a very very small town. I remember that modem and that like <laughs> with that sound. <laughs> yes. Right. Um, nah. Yes. Oh, yeah. it was an AOL messenger. But um, you know, but and I think of you know my parents didn't have that even. And I look at my students; they've grown up with it their whole lives and it does give me hope a little bit when I look at my students because most of them get it like they you tell yeah. them you know you, you say take the spot the, the troll quiz and they're pretty good um, you know they're still like they're they are pulling their hair out like oh my gosh these people are so good and and the trolls one last note just kind of on that the troll aspect I mean Russia is paying people all over the world to be a Russian troll I mean it's all about money too. like they're getting the propaganda and the disinformation out through, again, follow the money, right?
1: Yeah. The new disinformation space is Africa. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Wagner group is, is engaging in all kinds of inauthentic activity in Africa, both in the real world and in the digital, digital space. Um, and why is that? Because of the money, because, you know, Russian investment, it they're, they're there's, a, there's still a lot to be mined and a lot of resources um and a a lot of economic engagement happening in africa and russia still wants its share of the uh of the influence and the resources
0: Mm -hmm. and everyone needs money to live right we need money to, to eat and to have clothing and yeah
1: i mean russia still views itself as a global power uh as as a global superpower and uh putin's been trying to scratch back the influence that he had when you know he grew up in the under the, in the as part of the Soviet Union um and you know he grew up as a KGB officer uh, working in that system and he's he you know every analysis i've ever read suggests that he still wants that 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 old glory back mm-hmm. um and that means engaging in in africa and latin america in the same way that the soviet soviets did in the past yeah,
0: yeah. um this brings me i always try to Kind of wrap up and, and end on a, a higher note which is so hard to, to do in this space right um but there i mean there has to be solutions of, of some kind and someone i always ask on you know facebook and instagram this this double-edged sword of social media i get some great questions so i said you know who has a question for for darren um for dr limville here and um I think that this question was really good, and it's probably something a lot of people think. It's a question I get a lot, too. Um, But this person said, I pretty much grew up believing the written word, whether in a newspaper or book, was most likely correct, and it was gospel. I guess it really didn't occur to me until social media entered my life that so much of what we read and hear is not based on research facts, but on opinions, wishes, falsehoods, and just made-up stuff. How upsetting and disconcerting that a large percent of of our population believe what they perceive as truth. Are really just opinions i guess to this point has social media sown more confusion in terms of what we can and can't believe what do you think
1: Hmm. that's that's tough because you know i i still do want to believe in in the in the power of social media to connect people um and to spread movements that wouldn't be possible otherwise. I mean, look at things like the Black Lives Matter movement, or Me Too, Mm -hmm. um, or even the beginning of the Arab Spring. Uh, Now, maybe the social media didn't play the role in these things that, that we really believe that it did, but it did play a role and, and maybe they wouldn't have ever happened. Um, without social media and, and is the world a better place because of them I, I think so. Um, but the the dark side of social media is still there and I have to believe though that it's just we're just so early like you said earlier like none of this even existed 15 years ago. You know, we we were on MySpace. That's you know, that's a shorter time than my current undergraduate students have been alive. Um, and and you know, if you look at at literally any earth-moving technology, uh, how safe was flight for the first fifteen years? <laughs> I mean, people died all the time, uh, and we still did it. Because eventually it it got us where we needed to go, and now we we jump on intercontinental flights all the time without a second thought, and it's you know safer than walking. Uh, so I have hope. Uh, I think that humans individually are pretty dumb, but as a group, we get shit done.
0: Yeah, there you go. The words of wisdom right there right? <laughs> it's possible it's possible it's possible <laughs> um, in terms of solutions uh, maybe regulatory solutions um, someone asked again you know on Facebook about the fairness doctrine if that would help with a lot of the spread of misinformation or disinformation um, the legal community talks a lot about maybe antitrust laws I mean are there ways to bring back this truth and trust online, especially on these social platforms. I mean, does it, what, what is it, do you think, is it going to take?
1: I think, I think it's really hard. Cause one of the, you know, what's driving this is the, the fundamental, uh, structure of, of, of the, of the platforms where, where we are the product and, uh, because we're the product they want to make it as easy as possible for us to to get accounts and and to join their platform Uh, and part of that means that anonymity is really really easy Uh, people don't have to take any ownership of their words Uh, and 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 while there there are of course a lot of genuine important reasons why one might want to be anonymous on on social media uh, it's it's too easy to be anonymous even to the the platform much less one another um, and i th- i think we need to get a handle on this issue of anonymity uh, we need to know confidently that the person we're engaging with is is another real person it usually is frankly i can't tell you how many how many emails i get uh from from folks from around the world saying hey hey is this a russian troll and they'll send me an account that they engaged with, and, and it's never a Russian troll, it's or a Chinese troll, or, or even an Iranian troll. Um, it's usually just an annoying person that they engaged with because you know we, we look at difference and we assume that because you're different, you're not even a real human being, and then that's super, super dangerous. Um, and so, I think we need to get a handle on this issue of anonymity, and, and, and people need to be confident that what they're engaging with. On, on social media are real people when they say yeah. they're real people.
0: Yeah, and we have to know what we're giving away on social media. Social media is not free, um, yeah. right? I mean, they have, the reason we get the algorithms and stuck in these ruts is because they know everything we think um, because we're clicking on the ads and we're clicking on uh, articles. And that's where these echo chambers come into effect, right? Where. Right. Um, it's just not free Um, you sign up for that platform and you sign away a lot of your rights Um, and I think that's a bigger I I look at that I mean why when we sign on to any social media or any platform they're not we do check a box and I don't think anyone reads that fine print Um, but maybe there should be more you know more of a video tutorial (laughs) of what what are we giving away here what are we signing up for
1: I think it's really important too to point out that you know this is what social media is now. It's not going to look anything like this in 20 years. Hmm. It's it's not going to be recognizable. I don't know what it's going to look like, but it's not going to be this.
0: We're going to be two avatars talking. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Teleporting somewhere. I don't know. Um, we'll be in anyway, the metaverse. Yeah. We will be. Well, <laughs> we shall see, right? Right. Uh, all right. Well, um, this has been fascinating. And we have one more thing. I didn't warn you about this. So um, this is the speed round where I get to ask you questions in just the final minutes of the oh, podcast. Heck. Are you ready? Oh, we you're on. Do, a little, do you need a little stretching? Yeah, I'll stretch. Okay. All right. So what does the word grounded mean to you?
1: Grounded? Mm-hmm. Oh, I've got, I've got two daughters. So it's definitely you're not allowed on screens for the next week.
0: Which is probably a good thing after all we talked about, right?
1: Yeah. Right?
0: Yeah. <laughs> what's keeping you grounded right now?
1: Um, what's keeping me grounded right now? Those same two girls definitely yeah. keep me grounded and they make me pull my head out of my, out of my screen. Uh, not as often as I should, but more than I would otherwise.
0: How do you funnel through or block the noise, whether that's a phone buzzing or a voice or doubt of uncertainty that echoes in your head?
1: Uh I go on a walk with my wife and my dog Cosmo.
0: Oh, what kind of dog is Cosmo?
1: That's a really good question. I th- <laughs>
0: Mutt?
1: Yeah, he, he's from North Georgia. All he's right. he's definitely got a lot of lab and a lot of pity in him. Sorry. Staffordshire terrier. <laughs> uh, and and a lot of love. He's got a lot of love. Cosmo, Cosimomo. My daughter calls Mushi.
0: So cute. Uh, we have two pandemic, I, I we'll call them puppies. They just turned a year old, but they're more like horses. We had no idea. Um, so we have two small ponies, basically better dogs <laughs> and a beagle who has taught me a new lesson every day about how you can't change a beagle. Um, <laughs> maybe she keeps me grounded. All right. If you had to sum up your purpose in five words or less, what would you say?
1: Uh, mm. Make sure daughters stay alive.
0: <laughs> You're a really good dad.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry I'm so focused on my, that's where my head is now. But yeah. uh, it's true. Once the, the minute my oldest was born, I was just like, okay, well, this is this is what I'm doing now. That's and life was just nothing but fear from that moment on. <laughs> um, and maybe, maybe that's why I worked so hard to make social media a little bit of a better place. Because... She's going to be on there any day now. And it terrifies me.
0: Yeah. Me too. Uh, what's feeding your purpose right now in terms of books, podcasts, songs, documentaries, movies?
1: Um, Let's see. I have been watching a lot of BBC murder mysteries. Mm-hmm. Just Very light, Darren. To... Just yeah. keep it light. I know. I know. I Uh, I think I, to be honest, Jen, if I, to be totally honest, I've had ever since the pandemic, I've had a real difficulty engaging with anything tough. Um, especially given, you know, where I'm spending my days in the corners of the internet I'm, I'm looking at. Um, I, I don't, I don't, you know, I'm not, I'm not watching the, the tough documentaries or the, or, or reading the, uh. The, the The meaningful histories that that I used to read if I had to be totally honest. Um, so yeah, I think that a few a few BBC murder mysteries where the bad guy always gets caught at the end are definitely keeping my feet on the ground and keeping me from going insane.
0: Well, I was expecting you like if you were gonna go light, maybe just admit you watched sex in the city, the you know the <laughs> new one and you could just <laughs> tell the world no. right now. My wife, Claiborne,
1: was watching those, and I would would spin on my heel. All
0: right. Well, I've tortured you enough with our our speed round, and seriously, thank you so much for unpacking all of this. I know that this is such a hard topic. Um, I was thrilled when I started this PhD program um, to just be able to work with you and to understand all this so much more and to keep learning about it. So just thank you for all you do, um, and thank you for taking the time today.
1: Well, this has been a lot of fun. I appreciate you inviting me.
0: Thank you for listening to Grounded on Purpose. If you enjoy the podcast, please take a moment to subscribe and leave a rating, which helps others find us and helps our small team to know we should keep producing more episodes. You can also follow us on Instagram at Grounded on Purpose. Every day is a gift with a new lesson. Please join us once a month as we get grounded together on purpose. Grounded on Purpose is produced by myself and Jess Olekshi. Music by Jay Lauren and Mike Olekshi. Thanks again for listening.